Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that everything, simply everything, has its own history, like invisibility, snakes and shoes. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, who knew, for example, that the history of chairs, yes, the humble chair, is all about social control in Tudor England, or that the history of benches is all about Roman society. The man sitting opposite me who will help pilot us through this wonderful historical world is one of the country's leading professors of history. It's Professor James Daybell. Hi, James. Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. This is one more episode in our special series of homeschooling for kids during the lockdown. Now, each episode, we're going to take a subject that I bet you don't think has a history. And we're going to prove that it does. And today, well, it's fabulous. It's the history of accidents. Oh, fantastic. I love, I love accidents. Now, Sam, with the history of accidents, where do you begin? How do you write a history of accidents? I think starting off with your own lives is a really good way of doing it. And you think of what might have caused you to think of the accidents that you've had and what might have caused them. And then you can apply that sort of scenario back to the past. Were you playing childhood games? Were you playing with machinery? Did you walk across a road and, and, uh, and hurt yourself? Did you fall out of a tree? Whatever it might be. So I'd always start off with your own lives and then see if you can apply that to the past. So you can think about your own life in terms of your historical accidents. I think you could also go another way and you can look at famous, well-known, well-publicised accidents in the past. You could think, for example, of the terrible tragedy at Aberfan, which is a former coal mining village in South Wales. And it's in the Taft Valley. It's about six kilometres south of Merthyr Tydfil. And in on the 21st of October 1966, it was known for an appalling disaster when a colliery spoil tip, in other words, all the sort of waste product from the mining was all piled up and it fell down. It collapsed into the homes, ran over a school, killing 28 adults and 116 children. It was one of the most 
devastating accidents of the 20th century. Or you could look at the sinking of the Titanic, the British passenger liner that on the 15th of April 1912 struck an iceberg during her maiden voyage from Southampton to New York City in the United States in the middle of the North Atlantic and sank. Or you could talk about the Chernobyl nuclear disaster that happened on the 26th of April 1986 and this was one of the world's most devastating disasters when the number four nuclear reactor at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Russia in the, U in the Ukraine exploded and had devastating impact on the surrounding area. Uh, absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. It was what it was rated in terms of nuclear energy disasters. It was rated at a seven, which is the maximum on the severity scale. Only um, to be followed in 2011 by the Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster in Japan. So there you can think about different kinds of ex of of famous world famous disasters that are known all over the place and connected to that. You could think about the heroism of individuals that are produced by those kinds of circumstances. Circumstances like this, disasters, accidents, lead people to feats of bravery. Absolutely. I think that's fascinating and also worth stopping to think about what constitutes an accident and to what extent human error was involved in all of those things and whether it was well, how accidental was it? It's one of those questions you can really, really play around with. It's quite fun. A friend of mine, um, his uncle fell off the Great Wall of China. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Uh, did he hurt himself? Uh, yes, he did. Um, but he survived. But uh, he, he very much broke his leg. I oh, think. Ouch. Um, but a, a real, you know, it's a, it's a someone falling off a um, something from history, which is interesting. My grandfather always spoke a great deal about an accident he had as a child and it led to him nearly losing his leg. He had a, a wound in his leg which was open and, and septic for a very, very long time indeed and it just didn't heal. Mm. And so he would have, been, that would have been around about the 20s, I suppose, the 1920s. And even though it was the 20th century, there were still, you know, certain things that were really difficult to actually... To, to, to heal and to mend. And, this, mm. and what was started off as a small accident and ended up being life-threatening for him. Mm. You can... I was always been interested in it as well by looking at um, diaries from the past. And I've got a favourite from a sailing warship in Nelson's Navy where the captain, um, every day, he jots down the accidents that his crew have and they're continually falling down hatchways and ladders and dropping cannonballs on their feet. It's a really fascinating uh, eye-opener into, into, into history. And it all seems so very human and understandable when people just having these accidents. Yes, and isn't one of the worst maritime accidents degloving your finger, which is where your finger gets stuck in the rope and then the skin is pulled off, leaving the bone. It's absolutely oh. really grotesque. But I think accidents are also an index for how different societies or different countries view health and safety. You could apply it, for example, to the Industrial Revolution and working conditions. You could look at the kinds of conditions in factories, the response of factory owners to injuries. You could look at the the care that is taken of people who are injured, the kind of insurance or payouts that they get. You can look at the development of public health or of accident and emergency or emergency room systems. 
Um, it's also, though, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, it's also about everyday life and the history of childhood. And we're going to concentrate in particular on the Tudor period and Tudor accidents. Now, we know an awful lot about Tudor society because of the fatal accidents that happened. And over half of these happened in the workplace. And what this led to was a series of popular pamphlets that advised on health and safety. Who knew that the Tudors were as obsessed with health and safety as we seem to be today? Now, if you have a look at a book called 500 Points of Good Husbandry, which was published in 1573 by Thomas Tusser, it was packed full of advice on subjects as diverse as how to climb trees safely to kill crows, or how farmhands should work their fields diagonally in order to avoid being severed by another labourer's scythe. So it gets you thinking about different ways of life in the 16th century. Now, this book was actually quite a famous book, and it was found in almost every one of the 8,600 parish churches of England. Now, we know an extraordinarily large amount about Tudor accidents because of one brilliant detailed source, and these are coroner's records, which survive in their thousands. They're on long vellum rolls and they are in Latin, but what they are are detailed accounts of all the circumstances that surrounded accidental death. So if you fell off a chimney and cracked your head, a coroner would come along, would interview people, would look at all the circumstances. And what it means is that not only can we tell how people died and therefore a lot about Tudor society, but also we can tell all sorts of incidental information. Now, these coroner's reports tell us throughout the year that people, and I quote, drowned in cesspits, they were mauled by bears, crushed by carts, mangled by windmills, trampled by horses, cut by scythes and shot by firearms. And one individual, a man called Henry Pert of Welbeck in Nottinghamshire, even managed to achieve the almost physically impossible feat of shooting himself in the head with his longbow. Quite how he did that, I have no idea. But from that, we can tell an awful lot. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. About ordinary, everyday life for Tudor citizens. Now, one of the key things that we can use these coroner's reports for is to reconstruct, to write the history of Tudor childhood. Now, one of the frustrating things for historians about writing the history of the childhood is that it's very difficult to do from the perspective of a child because so few first-hand accounts written by children survive. There's a handful of letters that survive from Tudor schoolboys and girls 
aged under 10, but very little else survives. But there are an awful lot of coroner's records. And from coroner's records that record the accidents of children, we can tell quite an awful lot about the everyday life of children. So, for example, you might see boys getting into accidents at their father's workplace, falling into fires. So you might build a picture up of boys accompanying fathers to their work or girls staying at home, getting into trouble around the household. Again, falling into fires. Several children are recorded you know, crawling out of the house and being run over by carts. And what that tells you is something about the nature of boys and girls upbringing, but also the nature of parenting. You know, the ability for mothers to probably be doing other things around the household, not keep an eye on the child and the child crawls out. But one of the saddest examples that I've come across is from 1569. And it's a coroner's report that describes the tragic death of the two and a half year old Jane Shakespeare. She was drowned while picking marigolds in Upton Warren, close to William Shakespeare's birthplace town of Stratford-upon-Avon. And it's perhaps not too far-fetched to imagine her as a possible source for Ophelia in Shakespeare's Hamlet, and possibly to think of Jane Shakespeare as a cousin of the famous playwright William Shakespeare. But it's not just coroner's records that tell us all about Tudor accidents, though, is it, Sam? No, um, there's also information from Tudor diaries. And one of the most interesting comes from a chap called John Dee, who lived from 1527 to 1609. And he was a really important person during the reign of uh, Mary and also Elizabeth. He became famous as a mathematician and as an astrologer. Really, really interesting man. And he was obsessive with with keeping notes of his life. And he has left a wonderful diary. And in it, he writes about what happens to his children. So we know that this is from John Dee's diary. His son, Arthur, on the 3rd of July, 1582, he fell from the top of the stairs and cut his forehead on the right eyebrow. I've done something like that, James, when I was a kid. <laughs> you have, yes. On <laughs> New Year's Day, 1588, another son, Michael, going childishly with a sharp stick of eight inches long, fell in his sister's room, the sharp point piercing his left eye next to his nose, causing a great abundance of blood. I'm not surprised. Ooh, Another yikes. son had his nose wantonly cut by a razor, and his daughter Catherine was hit so hard on the ear by her mother that her nose bled profusely for more than an hour, the sever severity of the blow having burst an artery and almost a dec decade later, another of his sons was wounded on his head by his own wanton throwing of a brick bat. Now, a brick bat is a big lump of brick which probably weighed around 21 pounds or something like three house bricks. So he threw it up in the air and it landed on his head. Oh, it's a very unlucky, unlucky child. I, I was looking at the, um, the rolls you were talking about. Um, all of the different examples mm. of injury. And there are some fascinating ones from... We're in April, aren't we, at the moment? This is, uh, this is from April 1581. And this is to do with sporting life in the Tudors. 
where wrestling, football, throwing the hammer, those are kind of obvious things that the Tudors did, which might be dangerous. But this child, Thomas Wright, he was a household servant from Milton in Dorset. He was playing tennis. And um, we think this was an early form of tennis where you actually played it with your hands rather than a racket. And what happened on, on this day, this is Friday the 7th of April, he was playing and his ball landed on the top of a wall. So he climbed up the wall to get it. And I should think there are loads of kids all over the country climbing over walls and fences to retrieve their balls. He did this but fell backwards into a brewing cauldron full of boiling wort. Badly Ooh. scalded. The poor child died that night. Absolutely shocking. But um, really interesting uh, a life into, into Tudor play there as well. There's another one here also from May. We've got May coming up. Many of you might be listening to this in spring. And this is to do with Sherburn Abbey in Dorset. We're actually going to Sherburn, hopefully, aren't we, James, to do we are, one of yes. our live shows. This is in May 1589. And Robert Mitchell was looking up at the magnificent ceiling. Uh, he'd been ringing bells with other parishioners and afterwards stood on the belfry looking up at the vault. And the, the, the ceiling of Sherbourne Abbey is absolutely extraordinary. When a stone of great weight fell from the vault and hit him on the left side of the head, killing him instantly. It says that his body was laid out in the church when the jurors came to view it and give their verdict on his end. That's how we know about it, because it was written up in that diary. So, um, fascinating history there, James. But I think we should give everyone a challenge, don't you? I think we should. And I have two challenges for people. The first is to make your own accident diary. Go back through your life. Think about the scars, the scrapes that you've got into and write down a list of those accidents and think about what it tells you about your own history. The second, and this is extraordinary, this connects to what Sam was just talking about. There is a brilliant project at Oxford University run by Professor Stephen Gunn called, and wait for it, Everyday Life and Fatal Hazard in 16th Century England. Now go to their archive of the discoveries of the month from the project. And what I want you to do is to have a look through these and read what they say and tell us what your most extraordinary accident that you found is in Tudor England. Absolutely brilliant. Stuffed full of all sorts of information about everyday life in Tudor England. So there we go. They absolutely are. And I think the, the, a really good thing to do with your accident diary, if you're going to make your accident diary, is think about what you remember about the accident, but then go and interview someone else who was also there. Maybe your mum, maybe your dad, maybe your sister or your cousins or your friends and see if they remember something different, some extra details about it. I reckon they will be able to help you piece together that event in much more detail if you work together. I, I, so that's our challenge to you. Oh, sorry, James, go on. I remember one of the reasons why I didn't join Cubs was because of an accident. So they got us to sit round in a circle and then we're talking here about seven and eight year old, nine year old boys. And they gave us each a bamboo cane and told us to act something out with it. And some people played snooker with it. Some people used it as an oar. I was obsessed with samurai warriors. And so I did a <laughs> samurai warrior sword uh, trick with it and poked the eye of the person standing next to me. Uh, I caused that accident and was so upset uh, that I never went back to Cubs. So that's my oh, own joke. personal history. Scarred me for life. 
<laughs> oh, I fell off a ladder when I was about, oh, I don't know, 11 or 12, a very high ladder. I was staying in a house in Cornwall. It didn't have any stairs. It just had a ladder oh. upstairs with a hard wooden floor. And I'm, I wasn't allowed to climb up it on my own. Uh, and of course, I, being me, I then went and climbed up it on my own. <laughs> and um, at the top, I turned around to appreciate just how well I'd done and fell off. Unbelievable. Landed my on my father, head. I can still think I, of the headache. I will, I will up that by one. My father, uh, when I was a, a, a kid, maybe about nine, my sister was about six. We were watching breakfast time television. So we were watching cartoons on a Saturday morning. And my father was up in the loft getting some things. I think we were going on holiday and he was getting down some suitcases and he managed to fall out of the loft all the way down the stairs and very nearly broke his back. My sister and I heard a, heard a bang and just continued watching the cartoons. Uh, and then at one point, my mother sort of, Jeremy, Jeremy. Uh, and, and so we went out and said, is dad okay? And, and she said, oh, I don't know. And we sort of thought, oh, well, and wandered back and watched the, continued watching the cartoons. My mum has never in her life been so cross with me uh, as, as oh. that. I know. Memories of accidents. It's a wonderful accidents. way of... Um... Yeah, it's a wonderful way of opening opening moments in your own in your own history, your own past. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that. Do please check out historiesoftheunexpected.com. And don't forget we're on social media, so come and make friends with us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Thank you all so much for listening, guys. We've got loads of exciting stuff coming soon, so stay tuned. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.